Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Good day. I'm Monica Bay, and we have a very special guest today, John Jablonski from Buffalo, New York, and he's with Goldberg Sagala. And before we start that, I'm going to give you a regular little bit amount of housekeeping information to let you know that we are thrilled to have you listening to our podcast. You can find us in three different venues at www.lawtechnologynow.com, on the Legal Talk Network, which is www.legaltalknetwork.com, and on iTunes in the podcast library. Uh, John, welcome. Uh, would, would you uh, start us off on our discussion about legal holds and the ramifications of this lousy economy on policies by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do up in Buffalo, which I hope is not as cold as it was the last time I was up there? Well, the good news is it is not as cold. We're actually starting to thaw. So uh, we're at a balmy 55 degrees today. So that's wonderful. Uh, ah. what, I, what I do for the firm is I actually specialize in helping our clients with their legal hold problems, uh, which allows me to focus a considerable amount of time on it. Um, I help lawyers within the firm uh, implement legal holds, and I help our clients develop legal hold policies along with their records management policies. Now, you are also active, you told me, in the Defense Research Institute. What do you do for them? Uh, right now, for DRI, I'm the vice chairperson of their e-discovery seminar. It's an annual seminar that we put on each year. This year, it's going to be in New York on May 7th and 8th. Okay, and I understand you have a book in the works, too. Can you tell us briefly about that? Sure, just very quickly. It's a book that's coming out by Armour International. It's actually trying to help companies develop a business process uh, to develop and implement legal holds for ESI and other data. Terrific. Well, uh, it's no secret to our readers that the economy is wreaking absolute havoc on just about everything these days. And our cover story in the April issue of Law Technology News is by you, John Doblonsky, and it's called Watch the Door. And the basic premise of it is with all the restructuring, all the layoffs that are going on, uh, employees exiting like crazy, that there could be some real hazards um, if Literally, the work as well as the equipment gets reassigned as people go out the door. And um, I'm looking forward to this discussion this afternoon. But I know that we may have some listeners who may be new in their legal careers. So why don't we start by having you uh, tell us all what exactly is a legal hold so we have a sense of context for our discussion? Sure. Real quick, a legal hold, or it's also called a litigation hold or a record hold and many other names uh, in the reported case law, is basically uh, when there's the threat of litigation uh, or you're actually sued in a lawsuit, uh, you have an affirmative duty to preserve records that are relevant to the case or to a government investigation. And that's a longstanding uh, idea that's uh, lasted in our legal jurisprudence for quite some time now. And uh, more and more lately, uh, courts are asking individuals to come forward and explain what they did in the context of a particular lawsuit to prevent the destruction of relevant information, and that includes electronically stored information, or ESI. Now, with so much uh, movement in our profession right now, 
what creates a problem um, the most? Is it the people who are leaving or is it their equipment or is it truly both that become at risk? Well, it's truly both that become at risk. I think there's a couple of acute problems that are de- that exist when a company is downsizing. You have a lot of uncertainty that's going on, and often the, the proverbial left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And in from a legal context and risk exposure, uh, having uh, one part of your organization trying to meet the business needs and restructuring may may circumvent what the legal part of the organization is trying to do, which is prevent the destruction of evidence that someone may call them on um, and uh, try to sanction you by saying that you allowed people to leave, but yet you uh, didn't do anything to prevent the destruction of their data. And you indicated it, it, it might be their assignments as well as the actual equipment. Uh, in, in the article in Law Technology News, you talked about how three different departments can be affected by this, not just the legal department, but the IT and the records management departments. Can you elaborate a little bit of, about that and the necessary communications that can sometimes go awry? Right. What, what you're really trying to do in the legal hold context because it's it's fairly new um, in America, anyways, that you're basically having discovery about discovery about what a, a company did to prevent the destruction of evidence. You're trying to build credibility so you can go to court with a straight face and say, "Look, these are the steps that we did to prevent the destruction of this evidence." So you shouldn't sanction us. So what that requires is that you have to be able to answer the basic question: you know, what did you do to prevent the destruction of relevant evidence? And then anything that you failed to do will be highlighted and used against you. So in, in this context, if the IT department, which is a very common practice, wipes the hard drives of a laptop of someone that's exiting, and then the, they redistribute it to a new employee or to, a, to a, an employee that you know, is upgrading their equipment to someone that's been downsized, then you, you have this reformatted hard drive that had evidence on it that may have been subject to a legal hold that's been destroyed. And the records management department is involved because they're the ones that developed the document retention policy. They may have helped the legal department implement the legal hold, and they may have specific instructions to not destroy certain custodians' records that are contained on their equipment. But yet, you know, no one perhaps told the IT department um, and that 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 creates a huge risk uh, for the organization. And I know in your, your article, one of the first things you talk about, you give a nifty little checklist of nine, nine specific things for, for folks to be aware of. And communication certainly seems to be one of the main themes. You mentioned a specific case in the article, the Paget versus City of Monte Serino. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that case and, and the lessons that we need to learn from that case. Well, that case is one of probably 40 cases that I could point someone to that really highlights the problem where the IT department, for whatever reason, has not been given the memo, if you will, on the preservation efforts that are being undertaken by the organization. And it's a real-world example of the circumstances we just described. In that particular case, um, a hard drive of someone that was a key custodian in the case was reformatted um, and redistributed uh, within the organization without the legal department knowing about it and with uh, IT just going forward and doing it. And there's there's countless examples in the case law where 
the company is sanctioned because for whatever reason, communication didn't extend to the IT department and the IT department went ahead and destroyed data, you know, innocently, uh, but in the context of pending or actual litigation. So it presents a real problem. And even though the organization looks uh, to as if it's not doing anything wrong and maybe say, hey, there was a miscommunication, don't sanction us. There's a trend right now, and, and if we have time, we can talk about it, but there's a trend right now that courts are sanctioning companies for the actual negligent destruction of records related to a litigation hold. And your second point that you make in the article is, you know, hey, campers, if you've got a large number of people leaving, you need to do a general notice to everybody and and assign a contact person to handle questions. Can you tell us a little bit more about about that point? Sure. Once again, it goes to communication. So what you're trying to do is demonstrate to whoever's going to question your legal hold practices, you know, a year or two or three years from now, that you took efforts to uh, minimize the risk of inadvertent destruction. So by sending a notice to everyone in your organization, you may be getting people who um, may be not aware of a legal hold, who may be out of the loop of the IT records management legal connection to, to basically say, hey, before I start hitting delete, maybe I should call somebody and see if the data that I've inherited from somebody or the data that I'm the HR manager and I'm about to tell IT to get rid of this person's laptop, maybe it's subject to a legal hold. Maybe I just got left out of the loop and I better just double check and check with someone. So that'll help a company in the future try to defend itself. And we've talked about some of the departments, but probably one of the most critical departments in this equation is human resources. What specifically do you recommend that uh, HR do during exit interviews that might be able to help protect legal holds? Well, I think if the HR department can get a hold of, no pun intended, uh, the list of individuals that are subject to current pending legal holds at an organization, that they're able to check it against their records and see if there's anyone who um, is uh, is subject to a legal hold. And then also in an exit interview, they can simply have a, a another checkbox uh, that says, you know, are you subject to a legal hold that you're aware of? And if that person answers yes, then it can send up the flag to, we, we got to be more careful with this individual's records and check with legal and see what we need to do. Now, when an employee is departing either voluntarily or not voluntarily, what responsibility does the company have once they've left? Have they washed their hands? Does that terminate the responsibility or is there ongoing uh, responsibility to, to perhaps, what if these folks need to be called back for depots? How do, what, what happens once the employee's left? Right. That that raises two questions. And, and the first one that you mentioned specifically is often in the legal hold tracking, a company keeps track of the individual's contact information. And if that individual leaves the organization, um, if it's an anticipated uh, litigation situation, someone may not be suing the company for a year or two. And if that person was a custodian of key information, they may need, to, may need to get a hold of that person. So it's prudent to uh, take their forwarding information and, and try to keep track of that person. And then the next point that I make in my article is updating legal hold tracking lists and uh, updating legal hold notices. Because um, if you have a, a legal hold process two years from now that shows that uh, employee A who just left the company is a key custodian of information, 
you're you're going to tell the court eventually um, when you check your records that that person is holding information related to the company, and and that could be far from the truth as they've exited. Now, when you have an exiting employee, is there ever a situation where it would be prudent for the company or the law firm or whatever the organization is to uh, have a side contract with the person if they know that there's someone who they might need to bring back in some capacity? How do they, are there any typical patterns where you know you're going to need this person in the future? How do you keep them loyal? How do you guarantee that they'll show up at a depot when they're no longer on the payroll? Well, I don't know that you're ever going to guarantee that someone is going to remain loyal and, and have them show up at the deposition. So certainly keeping their contact information um, up to date so you can track them down, but at the same time, making sure that any information that they had in their possession has been adequately preserved um, at the organization for the future, I think is the best way to keep from being sanctioned for spoliation of evidence. Um, and then whatever their testimony will be, it will be. But hopefully you're not asking them to be a custodian of loads of information for you. Um, if for some reason the, the person moves to a consulting role and they do uh, remain active as a custodian for information, let's say you've outsourced a key part of your organization and they're heading up a, a small company or a division that's now outsourced and is working on a consulting basis, I think it would be completely appropriate to put a contract together to uh, make sure that they're abiding by the retention policies and the legal hold policies of the organization that they're now supporting, but yet in an outsourced role. Well, John, we've made it through part of your list, and we're going to have to tease our readers to go online to www.lawtechnews.com or www.lawtechnologynews.com, either one works, to read the rest of it, because first we need to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we want to talk about the upcoming DRI conference and also Legal Tech West Coast. So we'll break now for a quick word from our sponsors. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Don't miss out on Web 2.0. Call us today at the Legal Talk Network to learn about new media marketing opportunities for your firm. 781-551-9960. Welcome back. You're listening to Law Technology Now. I'm Monica Bay, and my guest today is John Jablonski, partner at Goldberg Sagala in sunny Buffalo. And we've been talking about his cover story in the April issue called Watch the Door about how to protect your legal holds. And we're going to talk a little bit about an upcoming conference uh, that uh, John will be participating in uh, for DRI, the Defense Research Institute. And then I want to give you a sneak preview of a very special event at Legal Tech West Coast. John, tell us a little bit more about the conference. Sure. The the conference is in New York, May 7th and 8th uh, at still uh, registration available. There's still discount hotel available. And basically, we've tried to focus on cutting-edge issues. And we have, as our keynote speaker, um, uh, an individual that comes from uh, from England to talk about the privacy laws, mainly in England. His name's Ellis Perry. He's from AstraZeneca. 
um, which is a, a global pharmaceutical company. And as some of your listeners may know, uh, we have privacy laws that are starting to be implemented in the United States that are starting to kind of take hold across the country that really affects e-discovery in, in a lot of ways. So we have a focus on that as well as other cutting-edge issues, um, some of which are legal hold related, and we've really tried to differentiate ourselves from some of the other conferences, and, and uh, I hope to see you there. Now, the DRA conference, is there a title for the conference? Is it their annual event, or what is the scope? Sure, it's, it's an electronic discovery seminar. If you go to dri.org, you'll, you'll find the registration information, and it is an annual seminar. It's our premier event relating to e-discovery, and we try to really give a lot of practical, hands-on um, experiences for our attendees so so that they come away with learning things that are practical and can be applied from some of the top practitioners in the country. And I want to take a moment to give a sneak preview about our upcoming Legal Tech West Coast program. Um, it's going to be terrific. I, I think I'm not going to have time to breathe at it because, among other things, we're going to reprise the Twitter social networking uh, session, which was wonderfully productive. And I'll be doing the luncheon keynote at the Paralegal Institute with an update on the ever-changing careers for litigation support and paralegals. But we are going to do something for the first time that I'm, I want to invite everyone to attend, which is we're going to do a special uh, breakfast on uh, June 25th from 8 to 9 in the morning that's called Greening Your Career. And it's a very simple concept. We're going to have invite anyone who's job-seeking to join us um, and it's free of charge, and the attendees will also be invited to the exhibit hall and to our keynote on the second day, which is, this is day two of Legal Tech. Um, it's on June 24th and 25th. And what we're going to do at the Job Seekers uh, Networking Breakfast is we're going to invite any law firms or vendors who are at Legal Tech to please join us. It's co-sponsored by Law Technology News and uh, our Law Jobs division. And the first half hour, we will spend with good old-fashioned schmoozing and networking and chatting, and there'll be the usual lousy coffee and mediocre Danish. And then at about 8.30, we're going to break into small tables, and we have invited some of our industry leaders to come and talk a little bit about how they got through a rough transition or a transition in their career. Uh, we're still getting some of the speakers, but among them will be John Tredenick, and John was the litigation partner at Holland and Hart before he did a spinoff of what is now Catalyst Repository. So he's going to talk about how that happened. We have the fabulous Tom Collins, who used to be the owner of Juris Inc., who after surviving cancer, decided it was time to be a novelist. And I'm reading his novel right now, and it's a complete hoot. And I think he'll be great. We have J. Craig Williams, who just left his own small law firm to join Cedric Dietert. We have Mary Mack of Fios, who's the counsel at Fios. And by the time we get around to June, we will have some more folks here. So please come. We're asking everyone who can to please bring a small gift card. It can be $5, $25, whatever you can afford, to a national chain be maybe Home Depot or Starbucks or a big grocery store chain or Target or anything that we can just as a little tiny token and day brightener 
give to the job seekers to make their day a little bit easier. And again, this will be held on uh, June 25th at 8 a.m. at Legal Tech West Coast in Los Angeles. If you want more information, you can visit the Legal Tech website, www.legaltechshow.com, or you can check it out on the Common School, www.thecommonschool.com. And John, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank uh, everyone today who's helped participate, the gang at our partners, Legal Talk Network, Scott and Kate and everyone, David Jasper here in New York with me with Incisive Media. And I want to remind you that you can listen to Law Technology Now on the Law Technology website, which, surprise, is www.lawtechnologynow.com. On the Legal Talk Network, which is www.legaltalknetwork.com, and on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us in this discussion with John Jablonski about legal holds. This is Monica Bay, and we are looking forward to visiting with you on the next show. Thank you. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.